Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is David Belsky. He is founder and CEO of Flower Hire. We're going to talk to him a little bit about what's going on in the cannabis space from a talent point of view. We're recording this the end of April, so we're kind of in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to really kind of understand what has been the context of talent and cannabis the last couple quarters, and then talk a little bit about how things might play out here and how talent is going to be a big part of this for the cannabis industry as we kind of pivot and adjust and see kind of how COVID impacts cannabis, what the general trends of cannabis has been and what the future may hold. So I'm excited for the conversation. Talent's always a big one for me as I work with companies and figure out how they're going to grow and scale. The, one of the governing aspects or the, one of the governing factors tends to be talent. So I'm always curious to talk with folks that are experts in the space. So with that, David, welcome to the program. Thanks. Uh, great to be here. Yeah. So, well, why don't we get to know you a little bit and your background? How, how did you get into the talent space? How did you get into cannabis? Give us the backstory. Well, lifelong fan of the plant, was kicked out of high school growing up in uh, central Texas, still managed to get into a good college, and 
post-college obviously was looking to start a career and actually started entry level in a technical executive search firm, uh, you know, focusing on the IT industry in 2004 and ended up working at that same company for 13 years. You know, after 2009, I was more or less running operations. I moved around the country, you know, LA, San Francisco, Chicago, Boston, New York, and was settled in Chicago in uh, 2016. Uh, Successful yet unfulfilled, right? I helped to scale a $200 million agency. And um, I started looking for what my next play was. And around that time, I actually had a couple of mentors in California that pivoted into cannabis. And I thought to myself, if incredibly talented people are getting into this space right now, I got I to gotta check this out. And so one was um, actually an early executive at Ease, the delivery company, and one was starting their own vertically integrated operation. And um, I was really intrigued by what I heard. I, I didn't know if there was really a lane in cannabis for for providing you know executive search and contingent recruiting but uh i thought if anyone could figure it out it was it was me and uh i more or less followed them into the industry and my first foray you know i actually had the opportunity to help ease hire a lot of the early executives and 30 40 folks in 2017 and Every person I was meeting in the industry, people already in the medical market, people that were trying to start up, you know, businesses now that it was going to be legal for adult use in California, were all talking to me about raising capital, hiring and the challenges of hiring good people, right? And light bulb, there's a lane, right? So I started Flower Hire formally over three years ago, and we've done 400 placements in the space since then, ranging from your C-suite down to your senior salaried professional, not only across California, but also across 10 different states in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the, uh, kind of the, the facets of the industry and have met some pretty interesting people, interesting companies that are, that are growing quickly. I guess what's your, how have you seen kind of the, the demand for talent kind of change and evolve over that time period? Is anything that you've noticed in terms of really where talent needs have been in the cannabis the last couple of years? Well, a- absolutely. When I first started doing this, it was all about bringing skills into the industry that weren't present, right? There was really passionate, driven people that loved and understood the plant and knew how to grow it, knew how to make things from it. But I was tasked with finding folks um, from skill sets you wouldn't traditionally see in a, in a cannabis company because it was not legal, right? So, you know, finance, CPG, expats from operations, marketing and sales. Um, and at first, you know, everyone was telling me they wanted like that statement higher, you know, that CMO from a Diageo, yeah. right? That COO from Kraft Foods. And what I quickly learned was that those people like that are very talented and intelligent, but if they'd never operated without a net before, and if they weren't used to the startup hyper-growth mindset, yeah, exactly. it was just too much to take on, right? So yeah. I started looking at identifying character traits and experience traits that made for good hires in this industry and, and started trying to take more of a almost a formulaic approach to it. But at the heart of that was, this is a, not even an industry yet. They had to have some relationship with the plant. They had to feel like they're on the right side of history. It wasn't just about getting rich you know, being a capitalist, they had to align culturally with the organizations in the industry, right? And the second thing I looked at is, has they ever done startup? Have they ever been part of hyper growth before? Have they done turnarounds? They've been an entrepreneur because at least they had some tools in their belt they could apply to this industry because learning to be a startup person and learning cannabis was just too much to take on, right? Um, And then how it's kind of evolved, interestingly, over the last, I'd say, nine to 12 months, not only are we still bringing people into the industry, but we're also helping people that have already kind of taken the plunge into the industry 
industry stay in the industry because there's been a lot of you know ships and you know mm-hmm. companies out there taking on water doing layoffs and we've been able to now actually have people and really talented qualified people that want to stay in this industry help you know apply their experience elsewhere right and obviously in in every state and location that this industry progresses in you start kind of seeing trends and some of the early hires tend to be around finance accounting and obviously in new states where it's coming online you know those tend to be some of the areas where you see a need for our services first because it's also a very risk adverse demographic you know yeah. and yeah. and tough to ser- serve those people yeah, I'm curious in terms of the early stage stuff or the earlier in the in the market here when you were bringing people in from other industries. I've certainly seen this. I've worked with several several teams, several companies that have teams that have people from other industries, and and sometimes it works, <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. What were some of the things you noticed about that told you or that indicated to you or that you realized afterwards that allowed them to kind of make the shift? And what are the things that didn't make the shift? I mean, you mentioned kind of familiarity or, or passion for the plant and. Kind kind of the early stage stuff, but what is it that about the cannabis industry that became challenging for some folks that were, you know, transitioning from other industries? What were the surprises or what were the things that once they got in there, they realized they they couldn't either deal with, grapple with, or didn't want to do? Sure. Uh, I'm curious about what your insights were. Well, I think there's a lot of companies out there that form like, uh, that, you know, function like well-oiled machines and cannabis and a lot of companies in cannabis definitely are not that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think that hyper growth experience of trying to scale in an environment that was unstructured rapidly was that was kind of a key experience point, especially for leadership, you know, people that in, in executive roles, because it's something that if it's the first time you're going through that, it, it's a big gut check. But if you're comfortable being uncomfortable and having to constantly kind of change directions in your strategy early on, then you're familiar with how cannabis works. I mean, the other thing is defined roles, like careers and organizations in most modern industries are are very hierarchical and people have a defined, this is what I do and what I don't do. In a cannabis company, you have to travel very wide, right? You have to be able to take on things that you're maybe used to delegating to a whole team of people before, but there's no one else to do it except except for you. So you have to be very strategic and tactical, I think is the right combination of of traits. And, And as you move forward in your career, sometimes in most industries, you get less tactical, you know, um, and you need to be both in this one. Yeah. Any particular industries that you found people can kind of bridge from more easily than other industries? I mean, I'm kind of curious where you generally go to or where, you know, in the past where you've gone to to find some of this talent that we just don't have in cannabis, right? New industry. Right. We don't have, you know, a big talent pool. It's growing quickly. We need to pull it from somewhere. Where, where do you find it? It does depend on the type of role, right? I think that, you know, CPG is the obvious one for operations, marketing, and sales. But again, they ideally worked for an upstart brand that um, went from a million dollars in sales to a hundred million dollars in sales in three years and, and had that experience, right? I've definitely seen folks out of like big ag, especially on like the, the genetics and propagation side. Um, mm-hmm. I think e-commerce, especially when there was like a whole fulfillment and supply chain side of it has been fairly relevant. And then in general, financial operatives that had had specific experience doing turnarounds, right? Because even though, well, there's a lot of turnarounds happening in cannabis, obviously, but you just are able to stay focused on solutions through chaos, I think, with that type of experience. 
Yeah, no, that definitely end of 19, you know, we had a bunch of um, kind of corrections going on in, in the markets. People's uh, valuations changed, their market caps changed, uh, kind of trickling down through the industry. And then we hit this COVID-19 in, in the beginning of 2020 here. I mean, I guess give us give us your kind of characterization of the market ending 19, kind of going the beginning of 2020 in terms of what you saw in terms of demands for talent, where things are going, and then we can talk about what's happened since, uh, since the pandemic. I think, I mean, it's no secret that cannabis became a very capital-starved industry Q3-ish of last year. And, you know, the investor category went from grow at all costs and blitz scale and yeah. we'll worry about profit later to how are you going to be profitable, like almost overnight. And yeah. leaving 2019, I really saw three different profiles of companies. The first company was overextended, was out of money, had already raised a lot at revaluations they couldn't defend anymore, and were actively doing downsizing just to try to stay afloat, right? But the other two categories were a little bit more positive, right? One was they responded to what boards and investors were saying, and they really figured out what they were good at, and they were honing in on how they could make the most money in the most efficient way possible. And, and we're doing okay because they had a competency that they could succeed at. And then the third you know, bucket of, of company was doing well just based on expansion alone in some emerging markets, You know, whether it's parts of California that never had a dispensary opened or, or new states like Michigan and, and Illinois that had built-in demand, just never had a retail store, right? So I was still seeing, exiting the year, a, a lot of demand from companies that could be well described in those second two categories. And I think during COVID and, and kind of what I'm seeing is, I think that I'm thankful for the essential services designation, as I'm yeah. sure anyone that operates a company in this industry is, because this industry could not have survived three, four months with no revenue. But the ones that were already in trouble before yeah. are now in bigger trouble and, and they're basically insolvent and you know figuring out how to navigate those seas with a lack of bankruptcy. But the other two companies, not only are they operating, other two types of companies, but they're actually doing, in a lot of cases, even better than they were before. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's continued to be jobs created, especially for the front lines of this industry, the folks that work in facilities for cultivation and processing and manufacturing, as well as retail stores, even through COVID. Right. You know, I, I did a webinar a couple of weeks ago with Ascend Wellness, um, which is a client of ours. They said they're looking to hire over 100 folks in their retail stores in Illinois yeah. during this crisis. Right. Cresco's, you know, same thing, 100 for one store they needed to, they were actively interviewing for. I think some companies have pushed off some of the more strategic hiring. Obviously, in March, everyone in the world was trying to figure out what was actually going on, right? And it's obviously hard to onboard people when they might be scared to meet in person. And as a operating a business, you're trying to adjust your operations to social distancing and, and everything else to protect your customers and your employees. But I'm actually seeing that kind of slowdown in executive hiring thaw. And actually, over the past couple of weeks, we're back to our normal rate of interviews that we're conducting and we're setting up than we had pre-COVID. So it seems to be back from my vantage point from a job growth to at least where it was before the crisis. Now, obviously, still navigating the onboarding side is we're still working through those challenges. But if you were already throwing up cash and you had revenue generating assets and you were already going to be opening up new facilities and stores, you're still definitely talking about continual hiring on the other side of COVID. And, you know, I think that's that's obviously very, very positive, right? Because there's not a lot of industries that are 
have growth basically built in like this one. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's it's kind of exacerbated both good and bad. You know, whatever your situation was pre-COVID, it's just made it more so <laughs> post-COVID. Right. So if you're, in a, if you're in a decent situation pre-COVID, you're in a better situation. If you're not so good, you're even worse. Just because it's just it's making all these factors just uh, accentuate. And so, yeah, it's interesting that you're seeing the, the you know, activity is really picking up. And yeah, I mean, everyone's navigating this kind of the logistical challenge. But the fact that people are still executing on their their strategic hiring plans is, is a good sign. So I'm curious if what other kind of trends you expect in the, you know, in the coming months, quarters, in the general business world, obviously there a lot of unemployment, uh, you know, people that are just situational, I mean, not because they're not performing, but because, you know, businesses are not doing well, are going to be out on the street. Uh, and I know a lot of companies who are seeing a real kind of buyer's market or, a, you know, an employer's market in the coming quarters as they kind of go through recovery, things get reestablished, their businesses are picking up, there's a real opportunity to, to find some really good talent. Do you see that same kind kind of pattern or trend or, you know, kind of situation happening in cannabis as some of these companies that were kind of struggling, you know, are going to be further distressed, potentially continue to lay off people or going out of business. People are going to be in the market and it's going to be a good time to find good talent. Do you think that's going to happen in cannabis? Absolutely. I think I'm already seeing operators in the space that are saying, well, if there's good people out there, maybe we can, A, we should hire them so our competitors don't. The B, maybe there's a different caliber person available to hire now in this bear market versus when we were hiring in a bull market, right? Yeah. And on, on top of that, I've definitely seen uh, an increase in applicants from all different types of industries. And so I think naturally they're going to be looking at cannabis because there are jobs here. Now, yeah. what's unique about recruiting talent for cannabis versus the tech industry where I was before is that this industry, there's so much education that needs to happen for a candidate or a potential job seeker to really know if this is the right place for them, right? Because they don't know. So we, as a, as a service, really try to go the extra mile early with candidates to talk about the realities of the industry in the good and, and bad ways, right? Um, the good parts, which entrepreneurial creative, intelligent, hardworking people trying to solve complex problems, doing something they're passionate about, right? Whereas the realities of, you know, you're probably not going to make as much money. Your title might not be the same. You're going to suffer benefits, right? They may not be able to offer the same retirement plans as, as you might be used to, right? And there's still a stigma for the yeah. industry. And, and companies in this industry, they're 24-7 operations that their peak time is nights and weekends, right? And plants don't sleep, Right. So, you know, I, a lot of education in, in that way and then pointing people in the direction of how they can really figure out if it's right for them, I think is important. But but definitely people are looking at this industry more and more from from other industries. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. And if for a cannabis company leader in a cannabis company who has, you know, open racks and they're you know planning on doing filling either through, you know, a professional search firm or on their own, what are some of the things you advise them to kind of think about or consider as they're kind of planning this, as they're doing their interviewing, what are some of the pieces of advice you can give them on how to be successful at this time? I think it's a, it's a great question. I think if you're using a search firm, use one that is specific to cannabis that understands the industry and already has a bench of people. Reach out to us at info at flowerhire.com. If you're going about it on your own, I think that you have to map out an interview process that makes sense, that everyone within your interview team actually wears a certain hat 
and covers a certain thing with the candidate. And that goes back to, you know, what operational skills are important, their own proactive nature, like candidates in this industry, it's okay if they don't understand cannabis and they don't understand that how distribution works, but are they proactive in terms of educating themselves, right? And there's ways to vet that in an interview process, right? You know, I think that there's something to be said too, if you're looking at people that haven't worked in the industry, like the first time that they actually go into a facility that's processing cannabis, you know, that's the where the rubber meets the road. It's either a kid in a candy store and this is amazing, you know, or, well, this is really interesting. It's, I've never seen something like this. Or it's like makes people very uncomfortable, right? <laughs> yeah. And you'll be able to tell from body language, you know, what the fit is is there, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's um, – and, and but the challenging thing about hiring for cannabis is they're – you know, it, it is experience is definitely very important and you need people with actual skills to bring those skills to your company and, and help yeah. you hit your goals strategically. Clearly, talent is how you implement strategy, right? But there's also no rubric for who's going to be successful yet in this industry. You really have to kind of understand, you know, people's ability to work hard and, and keep up and think on their feet and be proactive and in terms of getting information that they need. I mean, most people in traditional industries rely on other departments to tell them how to operate. Well, if you're any type of leader in this industry, any type of management seat, you probably should just read the regs yourself. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And just not everyone is prepared to like, have to kind of reinvent themselves. I think that's been hard for a lot of folks coming out of the tech industry, especially, you know, like a SaaS type company. Obviously there are SaaS companies in this industry and the playbook does, does translate really well. But if you're doing sales for a software company, trying to do sales for like a plant touching cannabis company, it's just apples and oranges, right? And and in the tech world, you have a playbook that you can now operate in to acquire leads and do digital marketing that just does not apply here in cannabis. So is the person who's talented and intelligent ready to be humble and kind of start and learn again? And if they are, they could be fantastic as long as they're prepared, you know? So I think being humble... No matter how successful somebody is and how experienced they are, being humbled by the idea that this is just different, they they have to understand that coming in. Yeah. So assuming you put together the right role description, you go out, you do a good search, you have a good interview process, you find a you know a good qualified candidate that's good good cultural fit, you get them in place. What are some things that organizations can do to help? onboard them, integrate them, you know, make them as productive as possible, as quickly as possible. And it's, I, I've seen so many, so many hires gone wrong, not because they weren't the right person, but because they, they no, weren't onboarding there was well. no process. Yeah, they weren't, but there was, well, there was no, there was onboarding. no onboarding. Not only yeah. was it the wrong onboarding, there was just no onboarding. What are some of the practices that you advise sure. uh, your companies on, or you've seen your clients do well, that has really helped that process? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great question. I think it's not a characteristic of just cannabis companies, you know, a failure to onboard. It's a characteristic of startups and hypergrowth companies in general. You know, how do you bring people on and assimilate them and get them up and running and productive and successful when you're already working 15 hours a day, right? So I think little things as simple as like announcing who you hired to the team, you know, making sure that person is set up for one-on-one meetings by the time they start 
with any key person they're going to need to interact with and work with well together so they can start knowledge transfers. They can start working on that relationship. And I think it's coming up with a, honestly, a 30, 60, 90 day plan is, is kind of, you know, lame as that sounds. It's, it's the reality. Like, what do we expect you to be able to accomplish by 30 days? And where do you expect to be at a 90 days? And ideally agreeing on that, you know, crystal ball before they actually start. And then once you lay that out, you realize who they're going to have to work with the most closely to achieve those goals and make sure you tee up those relationships extremely well. And if it means they're working with people that are in different facilities or different states, which often happens, getting them in front of those facilities as quickly as possible. I know it's an investment and it's not always practical, but there's such a value add in terms of integrating somebody when they've actually met somebody in person and seen the facilities that these folks are working through to be able to actually help troubleshoot and provide real actionable work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's so much of it is building relationship, personal relationships with the folks that you're going to have to work with. The sooner you do that, the better. <laughs> right. You, trying to do that once, you know, things are dicey or you're in kind of stressful situations is, is not the time to start, <laughs> start building these relationships. And you know, the stressful situations are coming. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. in this industry, they come all the time. Right. And obviously through going through those stressful situations together and coming out on top, you build a working rapport and a relationship, but that shouldn't be the only time you build that rapport, right? You got to build in and follow through with, you know, actual meetings and and information exchanges to work on those relationships internally as quickly as possible, even before they start. And the other thing that I I do on my end on that, on that token is like, let's say I place a controller or has a CPA background into this industry. And that person's never, they know what 280E is, but they've never actually supported cannabis. What I do personally is I, I, I introduce them to peer mentors in the industry that I've already placed that are happy to give advice to somebody who's just coming into it. So look for outlets like that, even outside of your company as resources, you know, external sort of peer mentors, if you will, to help them. Yeah, I love peer networks. I love collaborating with, you know, both competitive, but also, you know, not directly competitive uh, businesses and finding sort of domain, functional area domain experts to, to network with and, and share experiences. Any good strategies or good um, opportunities for that that you've seen inside cannabis? Any good organizations or groups that are pulling those things together for the industry? The short answer is no. The long answer is obviously, you know, I'm fortunate to have a network of professionals across this industry that I can lean on. The other thing I would say is look at your investors because often they have invested in other companies as well and have interest in other companies and rely on board members and investors to maybe build some of those inroads into some other organizations for your people. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great one. The investor people often forget about their boards and their investors that they they're they're great networks. <laughs> you know, they they talk with a lot of folks. They're either because they're invested or they've you know worked with folks. So great one to leverage. What's your thought in terms of you know looking at the next uh, couple quarters, the end of uh, twenty twenty or the rest of twenty 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 one? What do you think are going to be the really um, you know in demand kind of roles, functional areas? you know, for cannabis as we kind of do the recovery or as the, you know, the general economy recovers from um, coronavirus and then, uh, you know, as, as cannabis kind of evolves and develops. Well, the good thing about this industry is that at any skill set, at any level, you can find a place in this industry. The trends that I saw pre-COVID that are still very relevant post-COVID, specifically around, we'll call it spreadsheet people, you know, because of a big push on profits, you know, folks yeah. coming from a supply chain and demand planning side that actually could preserve a, a, a you know, 
map out getting procuring the right product to meet the right end product, cost accounting, compliance, you know, human resources. Those were a lot of the areas that I've seen attention really being paid to by organizations, you know, as well as, you know, the ones that we've seen kind of the whole time, which are people coming out of food or pharma manufacturing and or quality experience continues to be very needed. And and obviously financial operators, not only to make sure that a company itself is um, fitting within budgets, but actually creating those budgets, you know, and whole FP&A functions within organizations and financial modeling functions within organizations are, are, are being built out right now, which is, which is extremely important for the long-term viability of this industry. And this industry needs more people with those skill sets. Yeah, yeah. David, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Flower Hire, what's the best way to get that information? Well, our website, flowerhire.com, is a great source for information. There's get in touch pages all over that. You see some links to some of the content that we've created. Following us on Instagram at Flower Hire. If you want to get in touch with me personally, it is David at flowerhire.com. You can get directly in touch with me. Happy to chat. Yeah, I'll put the uh, links in the show notes here so people can click through and get that. This has been a pleasure. I, I think uh, you know, talent is, like I said in the beginning, was it's a huge governing force in the industry, and uh, it's fascinating how it's been playing out, where, where people are coming from, and stuff. So it's it's a, a pleasure to to have the conversation. I really appreciate your insights and taking the time today. No problem. Thank you, Bruce. Anytime. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes. Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.